You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. My special guest and our good friend, back again, is New York Times bestselling author, Susan Wilson. And uh, Susan, you know her claims to fame, uh, her great book, One Good Dog, now being followed up with her latest novel, Two Good Dogs. So we're going to be excited to talk to Susan about the book and, uh, you know, sort of doing, um, find out the ins and outs of the books without giving away all the secrets and talk to Susan also about her, her writing, her writing and her styles and how she goes about putting all these gems together. So we're excited to have Susan Wilson back on the show. So everybody just hang tight. We'll come back right after this commercial break. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. I love cleaning the litter box, said no one ever. Luckily, there's World's Best Cat Litter, the litter that promises less mess with less litter. Only World's Best Cat Litter uses the concentrated power of corn to quickly trap odors in tight clumps. And quick clumping means you never have to chisel or scrape the box. Less cleanup with less wasted litter? That's a litter bit amazing. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. And joining us now is New York Times bestselling author Susan Wilson. Susan, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me, Tim. I think this is our third time having a conversation about books, or is it our fourth? I tell you, it's all good. I I think it's at least our third, if not our fourth. You know, the problem is, or the good thing on our behalf and our listeners' half, is you keep putting out such great work that we just got to have you on here so many times, Susan. Well, I certainly appreciate it. It's a particularly wonderful thing to have uh, today, as uh, I'm sure you will mention to your audience that this is the actual release date, the pub date for this new book, Two Good Dogs. So I couldn't be happier having an opportunity to talk about it on the actual birthday, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're we're <laughs> pleased and we're honored as well. So, uh, yeah, tell us, uh, you know, this is a uh, sort of the, the next version, the next step after uh, One Good Dog. Now we got Two Good Dogs. So tell us a little bit about this novel and uh, maybe some of the nuances without giving away all the juicy bits. Ooh, this is a good practice for me. Two Good Dogs, of course, we have the main characters from One Good Dog. We have Adam March, who is was the protagonist of uh, One Good Dog, and his faithful companion, Chance, who is a rescued pit bull. And in One Good Dog, of course, it was a, a redemption story, and Adam had kind of fallen. He was a fallen character, and he is brought back to his own sense of humanity with interactions with the dog. And of course, they become boon companions. And I, I figured the story was over and that was the end of it. And I've done several books in between. And at some point when I was, you know, fiddling around looking for a new, new topic, I think it was my, my editor said, you know, we'd really love to see Adam and Chance again. And I thought, you know, I've never done a sequel. I've revisited places, but I've never revisited people. 
And I, at first I, I blocked. I thought, no, no, I've, I've done this story. But then I thought, well, what if they aren't the main characters? What if they are secondary characters? And the story continues and we get to see them. Well, I'm thinking it's about five years after the, the first story where they meet a single mom who has taken on the ownership of a falling down hotel in the Berkshires. And she has a daughter who is 14 years old, Cody. And Cody is a, she's a troubled teenager. And she's troubled for a very good reason, but her mother has no idea what it is because she is condemned to keeping a secret from her mother, which, of course, children are not supposed to do. And there's always that thing. <laughs> that never but happens, this is a, does it? <laughs> this is a particularly awful thing. And so she acts out in her own way. And it's, you know, that's, that, so that's Sky is a mom, and that, that's her chief problem. And Adam and Chance come along and, and book a room in this rundown hotel on a stormy night because stormy nights are fun. And he is, he's grieving. He has lost his second wife and he is trying to sort of pull himself back together, get back on the horse, as it were. He's gone back to work. He's now from going from a high powered executive uh, in a, you know, one of these marvelous corporate places. He's now a, a fundraising consultant for nonprofits, particularly animal rescue and human rescue. In this case, He's now working with a uh, an artist collaborative, uh, which is something he's never done before, but he's kind of talked into it. And that's the reason he's in the Berkshires. And that's how he gets to know Skye and her daughter, Cody, who also knows about these artists. I'm making a long story longer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I haven't told this before. I'm, I'm verbalizing something that's coming no, out of that, my head. That's great. Um, at any rate, we've got those four, Chance and Adam and Skye and Cody. And into the mix, we have a young drug addict who has a pit bull of his own. And the conflict becomes Adam, who is an advocate for rescuing pit bulls, wants to rescue this dog from a boy he makes assumptions about. And has, it's one of those things where he has to learn a certain amount of acceptance. And it becomes a moral issue for him to see that he he himself has had to have a second chance and this kid needs a second chance. And I will not go any further into that because it becomes quite complicated. <laughs> so very, very complicated story. <laughs> and I've run out of breath. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's got a lot of activity going on. And I guess when putting together the book, you know, when writing a novel like this, what were some of the reasons that you had thought, well, maybe I shouldn't do this or I should do this outside of the, the Ed bug in the head of you and wanting to pay you handsomely, <laughs> I'm sure, for it. Well, but yeah. uh, what was those main decision factors that you went through that said, okay, I've, I've actually got a good story. I've got something I need to add to this to really continue on with this or enhance it. Yeah, I think it was it was one of those wake up moments where I, I thought, well, I've, I've never, like I say, I've never used characters again. And I began, of course, the minute she mentioned it, I began to think about Adam and Chance and what would have happened to him after he had his own moment of redemption. And I thought, well, you know, I'll just use them as very slight characters. Well, of course, I couldn't do that. I knew them too well. And I they began to blossom in, in their own way. And of course, the difference between One Good Dog and all the other dog books that I've written is that Chance actually speaks to the reader. He does not actually speak. He just, you know, he, you have his point of view. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't done that again. I've had, you know, the third person type of 
point of view with dogs, but I've not had them actually tell you part of the story. So uh, once I started doing that, I thought, oh, gosh, you know, it was so easy to get reacquainted. It's kind of like having some friends that you haven't seen for four or five years, and you think, oh, you know, maybe we don't have anything in common anymore. And then you meet each other, and you think, oh, my gosh, it's like I haven't... I'm, it's like we saw each other yesterday. Haven't missed and that beat. was how it was with Adam and Jan. And that was the the fun part. The reason I wouldn't have done that, mostly it's because, you know, each story you write is an individual story. And I was focusing mostly on Skye and Cody in that situation. And I, I wasn't keen on bringing on other people that I already knew. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, it worked out. At least I think it did. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's one of those things where uh, as a reader and as a fan, you know, you're reading through the book and it brings back those characters. You know, it is like mm -hmm. a long lost friend. And it's very interesting that your take on that. And I, I've heard this uh, obviously from uh, from authors before, but getting into the character like they mm -hmm. are, you know, real life characters. Yeah, it's a, and, it's a very strange thing. Yeah, and, and and so when you get, I mean, is there a special? Um, I don't know how you put this, but you know, do, is there a special feeling you get when you reconnect with these characters? Uh, is this something like I know you mentioned it's like a long lost friend, but more so mm -hmm. is it something where it's like, okay, I, yeah, I remember all this like it was yesterday. It's interesting you should say that because the first thing I thought was, well, I'm going to have to reread One Good Dog because it had been a number of years and I've forgotten, you know, some of the other names of secondary characters and things like that. And once I got started, it was just like I had I had known these people. They're, they're very real to me. They live inside my head. They're very real. And I, I worried a little bit that I, I wouldn't remember them as well and that what I would create would not jibe with the characters that they had been in the first book, but that didn't happen. It worked. It just did. And, and you know, Adam understand. well, p p I should add a little, little uh, explanation here. Adam is so devoted to Chance that he has taken training with him and Chance is now a therapy dog because he accompanies Adam everywhere because, as you may remember from the first book, Adam has a, an anger problem. He has <laughs> anger issues and he knows it. And so Chance is his his way of not becoming angry. When he feels that happen, the dog reacts and he can tone it down and just get hold of himself. And so that came right out of the idea that, well, people don't change their spots. They just learn to mask them or they learn to cope with them or they learn to divert them. How would that happen? Well, here you go. You get a dog. Why not? Let's put him into a little red vest and he can go everywhere with Adam. And that's why he's observing so much, telling us so much of the story. There you go. All right. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick commercial break. I want to come back and talk a little bit more about uh, the latest novel, Two Good Dogs. And uh, I just want to delve a little bit more into your writing and writing styles and how you went about putting together everything. So just hang tight, everybody. We're going to come back right after this commercial break. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Going back to the my vaccine thing, you cost me a lot of misery, and all total twenty seven hundred dollars in doggy fees, and all it took was one container of Dynavite, two pounds, three ounces, and my dog has been cured. Abby's a five year old silky terrier. She had like chicken pox on her belly, clusters of bumps on her back, and she was allergic to like seventy some odd things. So the dermatologist, it was like, oh yeah, just keep giving her needles every ten days, but she's not clearing up. And then I, it came up on my radio, Dynavite. D i n o v i t e. 859-428-1000. Dynavite is 
nutrition. I gave her the Dynavite after five weeks, and one morning there was nothing there, and I'm like, she's all clear. There wasn't one blemish on her body. Her fur is beautiful. She is totally happy. She is a healthy, bump-free, pimple-free, shiny, silky. It turned our lives around. So thank you very much for Dynavite. I couldn't be happier. Dynavite's the bomb. 859 Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Continue our uh, wonderful conversation with uh, New York Times bestselling author Susan Wilson, talking about her latest book, uh, Two Good Dogs. Now, Susan, we talked a little bit about how coming back to these characters, uh, writing about them again, putting it all together. Tell me about your process of continuing on with the story or adding some new twists. Because as you had mentioned, you realize these uh, these characters and what they did in the past. So you got to tie it in together somehow when you're writing a sequel to it. But on the other hand, you got to make something that's totally fresh because your uh, audience obviously is expecting something new and exciting or some new adventures to happen. Right. I think the my chief concern was that it would be a, an entirely different story. I didn't want to become formulaic or piggyback on the old story. I didn't want to rehash old uh, issues that had happened. It needed to be. It needed to be fresh. It absolutely did. Which is why Sky and Cody are really the the main characters in this. It's their story that's being told. It's being told with rea- you know action and reaction with Adam and Chance and uh, other characters. I'm not sure if that answers the question. <laughs> I got I got sidetracked there. But as as far as it is, it's an entirely new story with two people who are kind of dropped into it. It's not their story. And that that was the, the best way I, I could do this novel without, like I say, making it a, a rehash of the old story. Yeah, absolutely. Then you talked about how to, uh, once you went back and revisited these characters, it was a lot easier to connect with them again. It wasn't necessarily having to read every bit of the first novel. Right. But, but how do you keep you writing this wonderful novel about these characters? As you mentioned, you write about other, you've had other books about dogs, mm-hmm. and now you come back to this novel. How do you keep all that separated? And is there ever any desire, or uh, do you ever catch yourself as an author writing bits that were in a different book that was not part of this this uh, sequel or the original? That's an interesting thought. Uh, I think I don't, I, because as I say, they're vastly different stories. Uh, and part of that is points of view. For instance, uh, the dog who danced mm-hmm. was told 
had three uh, human, I was going to say adults, <laughs> three human characters, <laughs> and their lives were, you know, whole cloth stories unto themselves. And then they, of course, are brought together by the dog, who does not speak in this in that book. He, the dog is an observer and a warrior, but he is very much a dog. He's he's not an he's not a philosopher or an intellectual like my chance. I just think, I mean, I know. There is a certain danger in repeating some phrases that you think are particularly wonderful when you write them, and you go back and you think, oh, wait a minute, I wrote that already. But each story just comes of its own accord. I do outlining, and you know, I think that offers a certain degree of control over what you're writing. Uh, so I have a vague idea of where I'm going, a narrative arc for each character, that, that sort of thing. They're all different. They're all, I don't know how to explain it. It just, yeah. to me, I mean, I don't think... You know, setting them in different time periods and with different breeds of dog and with different situations. A man of his own was set primarily during post-war, World War II. And that, that was certainly um, an education for me. And it was great fun. Um, and that was a different kind of story than, say, The Dog Who Saved Me, which is contemporary and had a... Um, Again, going back, yeah, I do tend to like to write about men and men's points of view. So that was Cooper. I don't know why. I've been asked that question. Why do you do that? And I guess I can do it. Uh, but again, I don't know if that answers your question. But I, no, I that, they're, they're that's just, it. They're just different. It, it's a little bit like having you have kids, and kids may look a little bit alike, but they're different. They're human. They're they're um, individuals. Exactly. And they look to the same way. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, the, the DNA may be there, and you know the the idea that, yes, there's always going to be something about the relationship between dogs and their people, but these are different people and these are different dogs. Yeah, exactly. And so each mm-hmm. character within the book, just like each book, is, is totally unique and, and mm-hmm. uh, has its own take and its own personality. I have to ask you, that's an interesting comment that you like writing from a man's point of view. So <laughs> when you <laughs> write from a man's point of view, is this uh, – what you know of men, or do you have a reference point that you bounce this <laughs> off of, or do you just say, okay, well, th- this is how I, I how I think they are. That's for it, sure. It, I think it's a, it's a lifetime of living with one, and uh, <laughs> which you know, up close and personal. And then I think it's just it's not really it's just observation and opinion and all of that. And I don't know why. And I've done it several times, and I've just did uh, just I don't know. It just it's fun. It really is. And and I always like to think I do a pretty good job of it, but I've never had any men tell me you didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try not to be overtly, you know, critical or anything like that, but you know, people are people. I think that's what it comes down to and uh, yeah. I like to write about people. <laughs> well, I think it's fascinating because if you ask any woman, she's got guys figured all out. You ask a guy if he's got a woman figured out, there is no way. <laughs> so nope. I would agree with you wholeheartedly on that. You'll never see me writing from a woman's perspective. That is for sure. <laughs> well, you know, there there was – remember Memoirs of a Geisha? Mm, yeah. um, Arthur, I can't think of his last name. I'm embarrassed to say, but he did – a profoundly wonderful job of taking on the persona of not only a woman but a geisha, and how what a wonderful job he did. So I, I get, when you're when you're imagining things, you can't restrict yourself to you know write what you know. Well, I know about being a woman, but I observe everything else. So shouldn't I write about what fits into my story? And that's what I do. There you go. Sounds great. <laughs> so once everybody goes out and picks up a copy of uh, Two Good Dogs. What would you hope they walk away with? What would be your main thing that if your audience comes back to you, your fans come back to you and say this, you'd be really pleased? My chief hope is that whoever reads the book 
any of the books, comes away saying, wow, I really like that story. I, I felt what those characters felt. I was a little afraid for that child. I want emotional connection. The greatest compliment I get, and it's a little embarrassing, is when I hear from someone, you made me cry. And I always say, I've done my job. And it's not, I want to make people laugh too, but somehow I don't do that. I want emotion. I want people to be, I want people to believe that these characters existed for 300 pages. That's what I would like. That's is the best thing when people say, I just thought these people were real. Yeah, there you go. Well, I'm sure you've uh, you have accomplished that. I have no doubt because it, it is a uh, once again a great novel. It's a, it's a great take oh, and you. like yeah, and you know it's a great follow up. You know, I think everybody, including myself, had been waiting for this to happen. And uh, <laughs> well, in, thank you. Yeah, it's right in perfect time. It definitely happened. So, where can people find out more about uh, you and what's going on, and where they can meet up with you to get some autographs? These wonderful things. Well, I tell you, I. Um I have the usual things, the website, SusanWilsonWrites.com, and I have a Facebook page, Susan Wilson Author, I think is it. Just There's so many Susan Wilsons, it, it takes a little bit of doing, but I think if you keyword in two good dogs, you'll find me. I have a Twitter account, but I, I will confess that I don't really know what it, that means <laughs> anymore. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I don't, you know, I everything that goes on my Facebook apparently gets posted, but it means nothing to me. And then there's, you know, people can reach me through my website, Susan at SusanWilsonWrites.com. I love getting emails from people and comments and, and all that sort of thing. And as far as signings go, we're doing my official book launch at my local independent bookstore, The Bunch of Grapes, here on Martha's Vineyard. And uh, at the moment, that seems to be it. So. All right. Well, I'm sure there'll be plenty right. of plenty more activity out there, so everybody will oh, make sure we get yeah. yeah we'll get all those posts so they have it. Yeah, lots, so, lots of blogging. <laughs> lots of blogging. Lots of activity. Lots of so we'll, yeah. we'll get that all posted, so everybody can uh, follow you, Great. follow what's going on with Two Good Dogs, and uh, definitely uh, meet up with you when they can and find out everything else going on. So once again, everybody, go out and pick up a, a copy of the book. It's available nationwide at your favorite uh, bookstores, independent bookstores, and online. It's Two Good Dogs, a novel by Sue. Susan Wilson. Susan, thanks for coming on the show again. Great job. Much success. And I'll look forward to speaking with you again real soon. Well, thank you, Tim. It has been a pleasure as always. My pleasure. Well, uh, we're coming to the end of the show today. I want to thank everyone for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I want to thank our producers and sponsors for making this show possible. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, you can email me. Email me at tim at petliferadio.com. That's tim at petliferadio.com. And I'll be glad to answer your questions, uh, entertain your comments, and bring on the people you want to hear from most. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life. Put it in a blog, an article, or in a book. And who knows? You may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.